Well, welcome to Missio. Once again, my name is Jordan. I'm one of the elders here, and we are so glad that you are with us this morning, worshiping Jesus. Uh, the text for this morning is found in Psalm 17. As I was walking in this morning, Rick J- St. James said to me, I am so looking forward to looking at Psalm 19 this morning, and I thought, uh-oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, which would make sense uh, if you knew me. And I thought, well, I can flex. I can go Psalm 19. That's easy. But uh, I looked it up, and Rick was wrong, thank- thankfully. And... Uh, so, Psalm 17, um, uh, so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me there. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, uh, Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of men, by the, words of, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent, and my steps held fast to your paths, and my feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from from their adversaries at your right hand. And keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths, they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord. Confront him. Subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword. From men by your hand, O Lord. From men of the world whose position whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure, and they are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall dwell before your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name, and we thank you for who you are, And we thank you that you indeed are a faithful God who inclines your ear to the cries of your people, that you hear, that you stoop down from heaven and you hear and you respond. Not because you have to, but because you choose to, because of who you are, because you have chosen a people, you've chosen to redeem a people, you've chosen to be faithful to those people, and your character, because of who you are, will not allow yourself not to be faithful to those people. You are mighty to save. Father, this morning, we pray that all throughout this room, all throughout this community, all throughout this world, 
that that attribute about you, mighty to save, would be on display. That if there are any in this room, and I'm sure there are, who are in need of salvation, that today would be the day where they recognize their need. Their need to be restored into a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And that they would cry out and that you would demonstrate once again that you are indeed mighty to save. And Father, we pray that not just here, but throughout this city, this great city that we love, that you would be mighty to save. And throughout this world, that you would demonstrate that you indeed are the only one who is mighty to save. That you would redeem men and women and boys and girls to yourself for your honor and for your glory. We thank you for that, Father. Over the next few moments, as we look at your word, Father, convict Convict us, convince us, restore us, strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We come to this psalm, it's, it's the third in kind of a, a set that's been organized, Psalm 15, Psalm 16, Psalm 17, right, that, that looks at, um, now all of the psalms, these prayers, right, they're, they're all in some form or fashion, right, about relationship with the Lord God, but these three kind of fit together, right? Um, who, who can dwell in the house of the Lord, right? This idea, right? And then you have, so you have Psalm 15, Psalm, Psalm 16, Psalm 17. And, and here we have David, he's, he's crying out once again, right? We've seen this before where he's crying out about an adversary who has a, either a charge against him. We don't know the context here. Sometimes we're given the context here. We don't have the context. But he's, he's crying out once again about, about some sort of adversary who is coming against him, who has a charge against him, who uh, is, is uh, threatening him. And rather than take it up with himself, now remember his place. He's a king, right? We live in crazy times, right? Now we don't have a king, right? Um, We got something, but we don't have a king. We got a mess, right? But David, if he wanted to, as the king, could take care of this from our perspective on his own. Whatever it is. But he doesn't do that. And in this prayer, right, in this psalm, in this this writing down of this plea before the Lord, right, this cry of vindication, right, um, David as he asks the Lord to deliver him, as he asks the Lord for some sense of vindication against his foe, whoever that foe would be, he lays out for us in these three stanzas um, really the rhythm of what, the, what life and relationship with God is like. Right? In stanza one, right, verses one through five, we're going to look at this. He he. He kind of gives us the perspective of what life is like from our perspective in relationship with God, how one pursues the Lord. Right? We'll look at that. And then in the second stanza, verses six through nine, he actually he 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 gives us really what it's like from God's perspective 
even though he's, he's asking the Lord to do things, he's declaring the activity of God, right? And, and it's still from his perspective, but he's telling us what God has done and, and, and declaring that even though in verses one through five, these are the things that I do f- to, to maintain intimacy with you, these are the things that you do. And really, all of this is dependent upon your activity because you are God, doesn't really matter what I do. Everything I do is in response to what you've already done, what you're currently doing, and what you promised to do. You are the source. And then in, 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 in the verses that follow that, verses 10 and following, we, we kind of get then David comparing his life to the life of those on the outside. And how he's able to say, this is what it's like for those who don't know the Lord, but this is my portion. And my portion is better, not because it's mine, but because it's the Lord's. And this is what the Lord has given me. This is my hope. And that's instructive for us as the followers of Jesus because this is our portion. This is our life, right? This is, he gives us kind of instruction in this prayer of, of what my life should look like. Not from a a legalistic standpoint, but from an understanding of, Jordan, you should be pursuing the Lord. You should be trusting the Lord for his provision in this way, because this is what the Lord does. And you should understand that everyone outside of a life of faith, this this is what they've trusted in, but this is your blessed hope. And not just me, but all of us. So let's, let's look at this in its context here. I've kind of broken it up, and as I've broken it up, I've just taken one verse out of each section as its thing that we'll look at, right? But let's look at verses one through five again, right? The, the thing I've, I've, I've highlighted here is from verse two, from your presence, let my vindication come. This is a man who, again, he's the king, and everyone in this kingdom, right, if, if the king were walking by, right, and again, think about it, like, we don't have a king, we have political leaders, and I don't care, you know, maybe we live in such a toxic time that maybe you'd say, no, no, not me, but, but regardless of my political feelings, if the president, regardless of which president it was, walked in, I would give him or at some point in time, her, my utmost respect because of the position that that person had in the society in which I live. That person's uh, position garners a position of respect. And David is the king, and everyone in, in the life of Israel at that point in time would, would say, I want to be in the presence of the king because in the presence of the king, I know that there is the place where I, I, I can either find safety or if I have to plead my case, I can find vindication. But David is saying, I, even though I have this earthly position, it's in the presence of Yahweh, in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of, 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 of my God is the place where I find vindication. I've been, I've been brought into a relationship with the Lord God, and that's the place. I don't find vindication in, in my, in my uh, earthly 
place of position, in my earthly place of power, in my earthly place of wealth, in my earthly place of relationships, in my earthly place of prestige, I find vindication, I find worth, I find a place where my life is, um, is, is finding its meaning in the presence of the Lord. And it doesn't matter what other people are saying. Now, he's going to actually cry out to the Lord to, to vindicate him in the presence of people too, but it, it doesn't really matter. The Lord, I'm in relationship with the one true God. And it's in his presence that I find vindication. This is what those verses say. He says, hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. Now David, is, he's, uh, on one level, it seems as if he's declaring himself utterly righteous, without sin, right? Lips free of deceit. Now we know David's a liar. We, if you've read the Bible, if you've read the narratives in which David's life is contained in 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll see places where David is a deceiver. These are not really lips filled, you know, free of deceit. Let your presence, from your presence let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You've tried my heart. You visited me by night. Like he's talking about here about relationship about how God has looked at his heart. You've tested me and you found nothing. We found something. But David has consistently confessed it. And his righteousness, the righteousness that he does have, it doesn't come from David. It doesn't come from within David. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the fact that God has covered his sin. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus, right, each one of these things that we're going to talk about they're, they're ours, not because of who we are, but they're ours because, because we've, we, we've been brought into a relationship with God through Christ. I don't have a righteousness on my own. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner on my own. Paul tells me, though, that even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, but God made me alive together with Christ. Are there greater words ever recorded? And so I've been given a righteousness. I've not purposed, or I have purposed, David says, that my mouth will not transgress. And with regard to the works of men, by the words of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. And so what we see is that David has prioritized in his life the, his relationship with the Lord so that he might know him and he might honor him in all that he does. He's the king. He's busy. Right? Think how, like, you're busy. I get it. Like, I don't know what you do. You don't know what I do. But I'm sure you're busy, right? I'm sure if you pulled out your calendar, whatever kind of calendar you keep, whether it's still one of those wall calendars where you write stuff down or it's a phone or whatever, you're busy. But you're not king busy, right? Like, this guy's a king. And yet he still prioritizes his relationship with the Lord. Right? To the point where he's, he's able to say, like, 
not only, not only am I spending time with you, but, but, but in spending time with you, that then leads into decisions that I'm making about the way that I live my life. It's not that I'm just checking a box and doing some rote religious exercise. But by spending time with you, that's informing the, the, the way that I think. That's informing the way that I speak. That's informing the way that I, that, I, that I make my decisions. That's informing the way that I behave. That's informing the types of relationships that I engage in. Right? I've chosen because of who you are, Lord, because of the fact that I get to spend time with you, that I get to come into your presence because you've invited me into a relationship with you, that because of uh, uh, you've, 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 you've revealed yourself to me and you've given me your word, because of that, right, that I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to prioritize this relationship. And it's not, it's not just in spending a few moments a day, although we want we want people to do that. It's not just in that and then forgetting what I read and rushing off into my day, acting just like everybody else. But it's in, it's in prioritizing that relationship in everything that I am doing. So that everything that I'm doing reflects and refracts to the world and to the people around me. Not that I'm the king, but that I'm a child of the king. If you've been around here for any period of time, you've seen this diagram, right? We're going to throw this picture up here. I know that you can't see everything in it. So we're going to in a, in a moment, we're going to pull these things out. But you see in this diagram, there's a center. And in the center, we've got four words. And then we've got these, these things. These, 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 it's a throwing star, right? Um, I, 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 did, I, I sat in an office with a, with a dude named Slim who was anything but many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and we designed this, right? And, um, and this is kind of how, um, at the time, I was down at Summit when, when, when we planted that church and we brought this up here. And this is how in our minds and in our thinking we wanted to organize people, you know, help people organize their lives around this idea. And so we'll bring up that other side so people can read these things, right? So the idea is that at the center, the thing is that I wanted to prioritize my life around. We want people to prioritize their life around these four values is that at the very core of my life is, is God. Right? Is this relational God, who he is, right? His character, his nature, the fact that he is a relational God, that he is knowable, right? So many religions out there, right, have, have an idea of a deity that is not knowable. You can learn facts about, but he is uh, not knowable. The God who reveals himself in the scriptures, the triune God, is knowable. And he invites his children into relationship with him, right? One of the very first pictures we get of the God of the scriptures is him coming into the garden to walk with Adam. Adam, Adam, where are you? He's very knowable, desiring to be in relationship with his sons and his daughters. Right? 
that he has given us, right? His truth. He's revealed himself to us and he's revealed to us everything we need to know about him, everything we need to know about ourselves as a people, everything we need to know about what he desires from us in the scriptures. He's given it to us. And that we value that. We value it to the point where we want to learn about it. We want to study it. We want to understand it. We want to walk in it. Right? I'm not, I, I don't want to take a test on it. I've taken tests on it. They're not fun. I don't want you to have to take a test on it. I don't want you to read the Bible so you have to take a test on it. They're not fun. Maybe some of you think they're fun. I actually know somebody who might think that they're fun. I never thought that they were fun. Right? That's not why I want you to read this. I want you to read this for life. Right? So that you, like David, can say, you know, that you've purposed that your mouth will not transgress. Right? That, that you've held fast to God's paths so that your feet will not slip. Right? That you know this so that you can live, so that you can run, so that you can love, so that you can serve, so that you can, you can be everything to the people of God and to the people of this city and to the people of the world that God has called you to be. Truth. Right? The, the third one that's there is love, that you've been loved. God has demonstrated his love to you. Right? Later on in this text, David says this. He says, wondrously show your steadfast love. Right? God has poured out wondrously his steadfast love to his people in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? Right? Think of his disciples saying, show us the Father. He's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? In Jesus Christ, God has demonstrated every aspect of his love towards his people as he bore the sins of, of, of each of us, the sins of the world in his body so that we might be able to be restored and reconciled back to the Father so that we might truly live, be made alive. God demonstrated his wondrous love towards us. And he demonstrates that wondrous love day in, day out. It wasn't a one-time event. He does that day in, day out, day in, day out. Every, every breath I draw is, is by the grace of God and a demonstration of the love of God. And, and so I, because I've been loved, I get to demonstrate the love of God towards others. Right? In the way that I love my kids the way that I loved my wife, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we love the people around us, that we love our neighbor, that we love our city, that we love the world around us. We demonstrate that the grave is indeed empty, that Jesus is alive, that he sits on a throne, and that he is indeed coming back to restore all things, right? We've been loved. And we embrace the fact that he is on a mission and he has invited us to participate in that mission with him. That my life was not designed just to live for myself, but it was 
It was given to me to represent him everywhere I go. Doesn't mean that I can't pursue the things that God's placed in my heart to do vocationally or relationally or just for fun, but that I understand that everywhere I go, I'm representing Jesus. So I want to do that well. So those are the things that we wrap our lives around. And as a result of that, we're going to pursue certain things. We're going to understand that there are going to be certain outcomes of discipleship for the lives of God's people that we're going to want to hold each other to. These aren't just things that, that, that we in leadership are going to want to hold, hold you to, but we want to hold each other to. We're going to want to see all of God's people pursuing intimacy with God pursuing relationship with him. Just as David is doing that, when he says, it's in, it's in your presence that I find vindication. It's not far from you, but it's in your presence that I find vindication. When I'm with you, when I spend time with you, when I'm close to you, is when I know that I'm vindicated. Right? And when you fast forward, for, to, 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 to this side of the cross, it's in the presence of the Lord that I know I'm vindicated because I've been washed with the blood of Christ, right? If you are in Christ, you've been washed with the blood of Christ, right? You want to talk about vindication. I don't have to, I don't have to journey to Jerusalem once a year anymore. Not that I ever did. I'm an Italian, right? I, it, wasn't, it didn't work for me, right? I'm a Gentile. Right? My people are the ones that actually pounded those nails. But I don't have to journey to Jerusalem once a year to offer up a sacrifice. That sacrifice has been offered up, and I've been washed in that blood. I've been vindicated. And not only have I been washed in that blood, but now the Spirit of God, it dwells within me and you. Not making me divine. No, I'm not divine. But we together are the temple of the living God. And it's in his presence that I'm vindicated. Not that, not that all of my opinions are like, right? Like, ha, ha, ha. No. What, 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 what that means is that, that I can stand in the presence of the living God, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And when the, when, the, when the enemy comes and he hurls those accusations and he says, you are a filthy, rotten sinner, I know, but Jesus has cleansed me. And in the presence of the living God, I can now stand. Vindicated not because of what Jordan has done, because Jordan has done nothing. And Jordan brings nothing to the party. I bring nothing to the party. But Jesus has done everything. And he has washed me clean. And he has vindicated me. And I long to be close to him. He is my portion. It is good for me to be near my God. Because the spirit of God dwells within me, he produces fruit. We want to see all of God's people, right? Producing the fruit of the spirit, right? 
Not saying, oh, I'm going to work harder to be more patient. Oh, okay, that's great. But that the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God dwells within you, in your relationships with God, with others, with the world around you, with, it, with your workplace, right? With your, your classmates, all around, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That that's going to be on display. We want to see all of God's people growing in the ability to share their story of grace, to understand the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, to understand how to share the gospel, to understand how God's grace is not just that day that I, that I, that I came to Christ, but how God's grace continues to, to transform my life day after day after day after day after day, and how I can say... Did you see that? That was the grace of God. That was the grace of God. I mean, God saved me when I was a kid. God brought me home back to himself when I was a teenager. God gave me a beautiful, beautiful bride when I was in my early 20s. God sustained me through terrible times in my 30s. God continues to do that today. That is grace, 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 grace. So we release that grace story into the lives of the people that come into our, in our day and we share with them what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done. Not what I do. Who cares what I do? What Jesus has done. God's gifted every single one of you a gift. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three. I don't know. But the Spirit of God has gifted His people the Father has organized his body. The Son calls each of you to serve, right? To, to, to build the body, to demonstrate to the world who he is and what he's doing, right? And so we want all of God's people to serve. Not, not so that we can check boxes and be like, man, we got, we got the kids' ministry and it's all filled. All those boxes are checked. But so that God's people are serving one another together, building one another up, encouraging one another, using their gifts to glorify God, to, to serve the body, to, 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 to glorify Him, to serve the, the, the community around, to demonstrate again that the grave is empty and that the Spirit of God dwells within us. And we want to steward our lives wisely for the glory of God. Showing that everything we have, every, every relationship we have, every resource we have, the time that we have, all of those things, they've been given to us by God. And we want to redeem the time. We want to utilize our assets wisely. We want to we steward our resources and our relationships wisely for the glory of God. And so you'll see these things. If, if, if this is new to you, if you're new to Missio, this may be new to you. If you've been here a long time, you're like, man, you talk about this stuff all the time. There's a reason. This is simple discipleship. We believe that every follower of Jesus needs to be growing in these things. Right? David says, in your presence I find vindication. Right? He was pursuing relationship with the Lord. He wasn't the source of that relationship. The Lord was. But he as, a, as one who was then in relationship with the Lord, he had a responsibility to pursue relationship with the Lord. 
Now, in verses 10 and or verses 6 through 9, he talks about the way that the Lord, right, sustains that relationship. Read with me. I call upon you. Right? Then look at what the Lord does. For you will answer me. That's what the Lord does, O oh God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Right? Incline and hear. That's what the Lord does. Wondrously show your steadfast love. That's what the Lord does. O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Right? Keep me as the apple of your eye. The apple is like the pupil of your eye. Like this part of your eye that you are going to protect. Right? A friend in high school. Right? His sister goes here, so I'm going to be careful how I do this. But dude got shot in the eye with a BB. Right? In the pupil. The pupil ran. Like an egg. It was cracked. Right? He did not protect the pupil. That's why they tell you to wear safety glasses, which I rarely do when I'm doing a project. Right? You got to protect the pupil. So when David says, like, like the apple of your eye, he's saying, like, you're going to protect me like something that you treasure dearly. Something that is vulnerable. Something that is easily broken. Right? Keep me. Protect me. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. This protective place. Once again, he, double, he, he re-emphasizes what he was saying there. From the wicked who do me violence, deadly enemies who surround me. And so what he's saying here is that even though he prioritizes the relationship that he has with the Lord, he knows it's the Lord who saves him, who strengthens him, who protects him, who sustains him. Right? It's this relationship that he has with the Lord. It's not dependent on the things that David does. It is completely and utterly dependent on the Lord's activities. Lord, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to study. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to trust you. But I know ultimately it is you who hears. It is you who inclines your ear from heaven. And here's my cry. I believe that. It is you who protects. It is you who is faithful and who sustains me. Right? I may, I may, I may read a passage of Scripture and see that it says that I'm to love someone or that I'm to, to, to believe this or I'm to, to, to implement this or I'm to, to, to stop doing this. But I believe that it's only through your spirit that I'm able to do those things. You are the one who gives me the strength to do that. You are the one that sustains me to do that. You are the one that protects me as I do that. It's not me. It's you. you right so from our perspective like we're, we're we're pursuing the lord but the whole time it's the lord who is the one who 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 empowers us who sustains us he saves us he strengthens us he protects us he is leading us to do these things he keeps us as the apple of his eye he hides us he protects us. 
And so for those of you this morning who feel that you need to protect yourself, that you need to fight your own battle, that you somehow need to stand up for yourself, that, that, that no one is protecting you, trust the Lord. Let him be your defender. You may say, well, Jordan, you don't know my story and you don't know the ways that I've been hurt and you don't know the ways that people have, 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 have abused me or the ways that people have hurt me or the ways that, you're right, I don't. But God does. And you can trust him. You don't have to trust me necessarily right now. But you can trust him. And he will protect you like the apple of an eye. And he will hide you in the shadow of his wing because he cares about you. And I get it that you may not trust me and that you may not trust other people right now. That may come in time. But you can trust him. And that may even take time. But you can take maybe a little step and see what he does. You can, crawl, you can call out and see him incline his ear from heaven and come down. Like we make this little call and he comes all this way down from heaven. Our time is almost done, so I gotta go quickly. David says this, those, verses 10 and following, he begins to talk about those on the outside. Right? Deliver my soul from the wicked, from men whose portion is in this life. They close their hearts to pity. Right? This idea in, in the original language, they close their hearts, right? It's like, it's, it, it's really like they close their fat. Now, I read that and I thought, man, I understand that as a fat guy. Like, ugh, right? The idea of like their, 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 their arteries are closing. Like fatless, like, right? You can, you, you, you can look at me in, in point and judge. I get it. It's okay. Closing in around them. They've, not, they've now surrounded us, our steps. Like they're hunting us down. They've set their eyes to cast us to the ground like a lion eager to tear. Like David understood lions, right? If you remember when David um, is talking to Samuel, right? Or he's talking to Saul, and he's, about to, he's asking to go kill Goliath. And he tells him, like, when I was a young man out tending my father's sheep, a lion and a bear came, and I went out and I killed them. Like, David knows lions. I don't understand that. I don't know lions. I've seen them in zoos. I saw the Lion King. David is talking. He is like a lion. I saw the original Lion King. I didn't see the new Lion King. I got no interest in it. Not even going to go there. He, uh, he saw like a lion eager to tear as a young lion lurking in the ambush. Right? These people, they want to kill me. Right. Just like that. That is exactly how he felt. I can always count on a baby to give me what I need. And if you're, a, if you're a father or a young dude who thinks, ah, my wife wants to have a baby, she's saying the same thing. She wants a baby. She can always count on a baby to give her what she needs. Come on, man. Give her a baby. 
Sorry for meddling. <laughs> anyway. So these people, they're coming after him. Once again, we're reminded of the fleeting nature of this life and those who chase after it. Look at how God judges these people, right? Those who are David's enemies. He judges them twofold. Number one, he judges them by the sword, by his hand, right? We see that. In, uh, right? Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver from... Deliver my soul from the wicked with your sword, verse 13, from men by your hand, verse 14, right? So God is going to judge them, right? He's going to judge them, and we've seen that over and over in the scriptures, that God judges the wicked. There's no doubt about it. But he also seems to judge them with indulgence, like overindulgence, right? O Lord, from men of this world whose portion is life, you fill their womb with treasure, and they're satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. Like, there is something in the culture that you and I live in that is just filled with abundance and overabundance and overabundance to the point where it almost seems like, bleh, right? Like, I ate too much, I'm so full, I wish I didn't eat anything. I don't think I can eat another thing for the rest of my life. Right? And that's the way, it's almost like, you want this? I'm going to shove it, shove it, shove it down your throat. Like God is allowing people in this culture here, but I would even say here, to just consume, 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 consume almost to death. You want it? I'll let you consume it. You can consume it to death. And it will be to your detriment. And so again, we see just the folly of the fleeting nature of those who chase after this life. That it, this life is their hope. And everything I can get. Right? It's like Isaac and his obsession with red meat. <laughs> just give me the red meat. Just give me the red meat. That's all I want is the red meat. And I'll make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And then David contrasts that in this last verse where he says, as for me, that's them, but as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. And we see here, right, our true hope is and always has been the eschatological hope of the resurrection and the joy of dwelling face to face with God himself forever. Whoa, big words, right? Our hope has always been that God will restore all things to himself and that we will once again dwell with him face to face just as Adam and Eve did, right? Our hope has always been the presence of the Lord. And that's what David tells us right here. I, as for me, my hope, the hope that I have is not my righteousness, but that I shall see your face in righteousness, that you will make me one day righteous, that I will be whole as I was created to be, and I will be face to face with you. Nothing standing between us. 
that I will see you face to face, that I will behold your face in righteousness. And when I awake, then I will be satisfied. Right? That is the hope of the believer in Jesus Christ. Now, far too many of us have allowed ourselves to be bamboozled into a false hope of something else. Like, yeah, maybe someday I'll be wanting that, but for right now, I really want my best life now. Blech. Brother, sister, set your eyes on the things that are above. Set your eyes on Jesus and on the things that are to come. That doesn't mean that you don't pursue him now. That doesn't mean that you don't love your husband or your wife now. That you don't love your children now. That doesn't mean that you don't invest heavily in this life now. That's not what I'm saying. But set your hope solely on face-to-face, face-to-face, new heaven, new earth, with Jesus one day. Right? That that is the thing that I am longing for more than any other so that I can pray with John, even so, come Lord Jesus, even so, that today would be the day If not today, maybe tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, maybe the day after. Even so, come Lord Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you have never embraced Jesus, our prayer for you this morning is that today would be the day when you recognize the love of God for you in Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, Our hope for you is that you would continue to pursue him with a reckless abandon. That you would pursue him above all things. That your hope would be in him and in the things that he has given you. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that you have, in your wisdom, chosen to redeem men and women and boys and girls to yourself. That you've chosen to do that through your son, Jesus, that you've chosen to be the sacrifice for our sin, that you chose to bear in your body on a cross the sin that we should have paid for, but that you did that. And in so doing, that you restored your people, back to yourself. Father, we thank you for that. And now we pray, Father, that each of us who are yours would live lives uh, not, not, a, not, uh, not of morality, but would live lives of devotion to you in response to, what you've, to, to who you are and to what you've done. And in so doing, that we would bring honor and glory to you that we would demonstrate that we trust you, that we believe that you are who you say you are, that we believe that the grave is empty, that we believe that you sit on a throne and that you are restoring all things to yourself. And Father, for those that don't yet know you, for those that aren't yet reconciled to you, we pray that you would save and that you would glorify yourself in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.